Hi, I'm Kristen McGlory, lifelong genius hunter. For a decade, I've been unearthing the recipes that have changed the way we cook. Now, on the Genius Recipe Tapes, we go behind the scenes with the geniuses themselves. Today, I have a really special guest and some big news to share. Dory Greenspan, author of 14 cookbooks and now the XOXO Dory newsletter, and someone who has already brought so many genius baking recipes into our lives. Marie Helen's apple cake that is more apples than cake, three ingredient almond crackle cookies that are ready before the oven even preheats, and of course, world peace cookies. When I started working on the Simply Genius cookbook, there was another iconic recipe of Dory's that I knew beginners and busy cooks would want to make forever, her French yogurt cake. First as written and then as a jumping off point for whatever fruit and cake pans and celebrations that they had. And then when I asked Dory if I could include it in the book, she gave me three more riffs on it too, including one with blueberries and thyme that remained so simple that she had just taught it to college students who had baked it in their toaster ovens in their dorm rooms. So there was a little spoiler in there. That's the big news. Simply Genius, the third child in the Genius Recipes cookbook series, is finally here for pre-order. It will be here for real in September, but in the meantime, there is a bonus pack of recipes for anyone who orders the book now. We will include the link in our show notes. And today, on Food 52, we have another sneak peek from the book to share. Dory's brand new blueberry thyme version of her French yogurt cake for you to take to picnics and road trips and birthday parties all summer. But before we dive into the universal genius of her yogurt cake and this new riff, she brought me back to her own introduction to cooking. I got married when I was 19 years old. And I had never cooked or baked. I mean, this was really like, I wanted to, but I'd never had the opportunity. And the first time, well, the first time I cooked, I broke the pot that the peas were in and I overdid the London broil. But really? Yeah, really. It was terrible, but it was great. I mean, it was, it was a bad dinner, but it was dinner and I had made it. And I was so happy. I was so proud of myself. I was so excited about having made something. That was the biggest, biggest aha that I could actually make something and we could eat. It was great. And where did it go from there? Do you feel like that just ignited your curiosity and your excitement about cooking and baking? I was so excited to learn. I mean, starting from scratch, but I wanted, I wanted to have people at home. So I wanted to be able to invite friends to come have dinner. I wanted us all to sit around the table. And we were on a really tight budget. So it wasn't a case of, oh, we'll just meet you at a local restaurant. Somebody had to cook. And I wanted to be that someone. And yeah, it really did ignite my curiosity. And I was so happy to cook. Do you remember the first things you baked or the first memorable things that you tried baking? Well, there was the bread that was more like a hockey puck. <laughs> or was that the steak that was like the hockey puck? It was the bread. <laughs> um, but I must have baked, you know, cookies from the back of the Nestle's morsels mm-hmm. bag. I don't, I don't remember exactly. I do remember that once I started baking, 
I got smart to the idea that that's what people were waiting for, that you could work all day to make dinner, but everybody was waiting for dessert. So it was always fun to be the one who made dessert. I had friends who were just learning to cook too. They were all better than I was, but we were all just starting out. And so it was fun to exchange recipes, to go to one another's houses and to, you know, I still have my little notebook from that time where I copied everybody's recipes down. And then how, how does that time in your life connect to when you were working on your doctorate in gerontology and you got to a point where you decided to leave and cook professionally? Yeah, I was just cooking and baking, baking, baking every day. And it was so clear that that's what brought me happiness. I mean, my husband saw it. I felt it. And my dissertation was not sparking joy. (laughs) Um, And it was my husband who said, you know, you really should try and be a baker. Mm -hmm. So I I had, I had great encouragement. And then how did you find your first restaurant job? (laughs) So (laughs) I had, I knocked I had many, I I knocked on many doors. I had good friends who introduced me to people and I got rejected all the time. And actually, if I had been on the other side of those doors, I would have rejected me too. I had nothing, nothing except enthusiasm and, you know, a million cookies and cakes and brownies and things that I had made at home. I had no skill, no training. Um, And finally, someone said they would take a chance on me. And that was mostly because their assistant, assistant, assistant pastry chef was out sick. So I got to take that job. I was so nervous. I was so excited. I was so not good at it. (laughs) I wanted to be so good, but I wasn't. I just wasn't. I never got fast. I was the one in the back of the kitchen saying, oh, you know, maybe if we used vanilla frosting. While everybody was waiting for, yeah, yeah. I wasn't cut out for restaurant work. (laughs) And then you rather famously, by your own account, got fired from that job, right? Yeah, I changed the recipe. It was their signature recipe. And I thought, it would be more, people are eating the same cake every day. Aren't they bored? I'll change it. I got fired. (laughs) Once again, I deserved it. I know I did. I just love that bravery. I mean, I remember being new in a restaurant kitchen and being terrified. And I love that you were thinking about people's experience and that they might like something new. You know, it's funny. I don't think of myself as brave. I was the kid in the back of the classroom who didn't raise her hand. Mm -hmm. But there must be a kernel of adventurism. Is that a word? Or adventurousness? in me because I've always said yes if it was something that I wanted even though it scared me completely I always said yes I wanted to learn well we're all so lucky that you said yes to that job and then yes to the next thing (laughs) and then got fired (laughs) thank you thank you yes we're so glad you were fired (laughs) Well, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I mean, I was miserable. Who wants to fail? Mm-hmm. And 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 it was such a stupid thing to do. It felt terrible. And it's only years later that 
I see how lucky I was that it forced me to do to do something else. So after you kind of found your place in in writing about food and baking deliberately and thoughtfully as opposed to at the pace of a restaurant kitchen, you wrote your own first cookbook and then you ended up having the chance to work with Julia Child. And I imagine that our listeners would really love to learn about any aha moments that you had that kind of still stick in your brain from your time working with her, if any come to mind. I didn't grow up on Julia's television shows. I didn't grow up with her books. When I met Julia, it was when my first book was published. I mean, I was crazy about her. She was just so smart, so curious. Talk about being adventurous. Julia was adventurous. Mm -hmm. Um, She was so interested in other people. And Julia worked so hard. When I met her, she was already, I mean, she was Julia Child and had been for a very, very long time. But there was nothing that was too small for her to investigate deeply, to make sure that that it was right. When we talked about the book, she said the most important thing was that all of the recipes worked. And when she would go someplace, she'd you know, be at a, a book event and somebody would make something from the, the book. She would call me. She'd say, the recipe worked. <laughs> not the event was great. Not that there were a trillion people. Not that, you know, it was that it worked. She had felt such a great sense of responsibility to her readers, to the people who are going to be cooking from her books, that the most important thing was that it worked. And she worked so hard on making things right. And I really admired that in her. Do you feel like those lessons have stuck with you in in all the books you've been working on since? I'd I'd like to think so. One day, Julia said to me that we were very lucky to be working in food. And when I asked her why, she said, because we'll never stop learning. There'll always be something new for us to learn. And I feel that 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 summed up the way Julia worked. And that's something that I carry with me all the time. Hi, it's Kristen. We will be back with more from legendary cookbook author Dory Greenspan in just a moment. And we're back with the legendary author Dory Greenspan. Well, maybe we can fast forward a little bit to when Baking From My Home to Yours came out and in it you published what I think of as one of your most iconic recipes. I, I'd be curious if you agree, the recipe for your French yogurt cake. Do you, do you think of that as one of your your sort of signature recipes at this point? Well, I, I think of it as a recipe that made a lot of people really, really happy. That became, you know, when you're working on a book and you know this because you do this. You never know what the one thing is that's going to pop out and really interest people. And this cake was a revelation to me. And 
people just loved it. So yes, I do think of it as being one of, you know, one of my most widely made loved. It's a beloved recipe. I feel like I can say all kinds of wonderful things about it because I didn't invent it. It's a French, well, the French yogurt cake. If it's popular from baking from my home to yours, it's a trillion times more popular in France. People bake at home in France. They make beautiful, simple things. It's rare to find someone who is as enthusiastic and as ambitious a home baker as so many Americans are. And yet, as a friend of mine said, we all make the yogurt cake. What would we do without it? A kid's birthday, you make a yogurt cake. Friends coming for dinner, you make a yogurt cake. Have to bring something to a picnic, you make a yogurt cake. That's that's the cake that goes all over friends. And do you think part of that is because the original, you could do it just with the yogurt container, scooping all the ingredients in that yeah. container? Is Do you think that's kind of part of its ubiquity? It was so easy to do. So you you had a yogurt that you bought in a little glass jar and that became your measuring cup. So the yogurt cake is one of the few things that I can think of that uses a volume measure here in France, Mm -hmm. whereas everything else is weighed. This is one cup of yogurt, two cups of sugar, two pots of sugar. It's three pots of flour. And so, and there are lots of slight variations. And so when I learned about it, I was so excited. It just seemed like, it seemed like a game, you know, take the yogurt, pour it out, you know, wash the little pot, put in this, put in that, and you're done. No machines, everything's done by hand. And to me, it seems endlessly, endlessly variable. Mm -hmm. Now, just see, it's such a simple cake and you can do a million things with it. Do you happen to remember the first time that you had it or made it yourself or learned about it? I think it was a friend of mine named Paul who told me about it. And I had been thinking about and trying to ask my friends what they baked at home and coming up with not much, you know, a clafouti, an apple tart. Very rarely did somebody make their own pastry crust because you can buy that too. Mm -hmm. But the yogurt cake was something that you started from scratch, built the cake, and and made it. To me, that felt really made, and that was exciting. Well, we have you to thank for making it possible outside of France and outside of having that particular yogurt container, because you are the <laughs> one who translated it to measurements that could be used outside of France. I think it's very fair to say that it's one of your iconic recipes, even if the bones of it may have come from something else also special. And I I can totally understand its ubiquity that it's simple to make. You only need to whisk and stir in a bowl. It's ingredients that are easy to keep on hand. But for me, and I think probably a lot of people, the really memorable detail is pinching the lemon zest into the sugar because it's just, it's so fun and it makes such a difference. And I'm curious if you use that in other ways. Um, You know, if you were playing around with other recipes that have sugar, do you think you could just kind of take citrus zest and and make it lemony or orangey? Absolutely. So that trick, which I I call the smush 
trick <laughs> because you're smushing sugar. And that came to me from Pierre Hermé, the, the Paris pastry chef. He taught me to do that. That wasn't part of the yogurt cake. But once I learned to do that, it seemed, you know, then the idea of, of grating the zest onto the sugar and using your fingers to press and rub and, and mix the sugar and zest together so that you get all the oils out of the, the zest and into the sugar. When Pierre showed that to me, I thought, where has that been all my life? Where have I been? Why hadn't I never seen it before? It makes such great sense. And so I added that to the yogurt cake. And I use that all the time. If I have a vanilla bean, if I'm lucky enough to have a vanilla bean, um, I'll scrape the pulp and do the smush trick with the sugar. I'll do it with any kind of zest. You can do you do it with rosemary, which is nice because it has some oil. Anytime I can smush, I do. <laughs> Smushing is a good... And it's, it's like magic because it changes. I feel like when you do that, it's like you're getting bonus lemon. Mm-hmm. It's fun to do. It's a pleasure to do. Your fingers smell good. It's really nice. I think everyone should smush. <laughs> smush anytime you can. Perfect. And then... I think we need t-shirts. Smush anytime you can. Yeah, or just smush. Just smush. I really wanted this recipe in the Simply Genius Cookbook when I was working on it. And when I reached out to you, you had just done another riff on it with a, an online cooking class that you taught, I think. It was a Blueberry Time riff. Do you remember making that in that class? Oh, of course I do, because it was, it was during COVID. And uh-huh. I had, it was the students at West Virginia, and they were in their dorm rooms. I was in my kitchen and they made this cake and I could watch them. So it was a, it was a, a, you know, a hands-on class and I could kind of peer into the zoom screen and see how, see how they were doing. And then they all just took their cakes and put them in the toaster oven. And I loved that. I made cream puffs with them also in another class and they got made in the toaster oven. And I thought, this is so wonderful. Here's a cake that people are making all over France. And now these students in their dorm in West Virginia are making this cake in their toaster ovens. I loved it. You don't need a stand mixer or, you know, a lot of fancy ingredients. You don't even need an oven. I've always thought of the, you know, smooshing in the citrus zest, but now with this one, you've added the thyme too. So it just kind of like, it keeps the wheels turning of what else you can smush. You can, so you can smush all kinds of herbs. You can change the ingredients that you're smushing and you can change the ingredients that you're adding to it. The original cake was, had, didn't have fruit. It's so, it's kind of saying, I'll take fruit. I'll take fruit. Give me fruit. (laughs) You know, fruit would be good in here. I think 16 years after baking from my home to yours came out, I'm curious how the yogurt cake still fits in your life and sort of the life of the yogurt cake. You know, I hadn't, 16 years, it's like, wow. Um, I bake it all 
the time. So I'm like my French friend who said birthday, yogurt cake, picnic, yogurt cake, dinner, yogurt cake. I never get tired of it. I never get tired mm-hmm. of it. And I love that it's it's so reliable. It always comes out just right. And as you said, it's simple. You just stir it. There's no special ingredients or no special equipment. And also, as you said, it gets your wheels turning. You look at it and think, oh, I could, oh, I could put some peaches on top of it. Or it just, as you get to know it, you understand all the things that you can do with it. That's pretty great for a cake. Thanks for listening. And my thanks to Dory Greenspan, the author of 14 cookbooks, most recently Baking with Dory. You can hear more straight from Dory herself in her twice-weekly newsletter, XOXO Dory, and you can find both her iconic French yogurt cake and three new riffs in Simply Genius, which will be out in September, but you can get sneak peeks at even more of the recipes by pre-ordering at the link in our show notes. This week's episode was put together by me, Kristen McGlory, executive producer Harry Sultan, with post-production by Crutchfray Studios. If you have a favorite cake riffing story, I would love to hear about it at genius at food52.com or just tag me on Instagram at McGlorious. And if you like the Genius Recipe Tapes, the very best thing that you can do to support us and to help other people find the show is to take a moment to leave us a five-star rating and review or just send this episode to other Dory heads like us. And one more heads up. Starting next week, new Genius Recipe Tapes episodes will come out every other week instead of weekly so that our small but mighty team can spend more time making them the best that they can be. In between, we're going to share episodes that we love from Food 52's other shows. So I hope that you discover some new favorites, and I will be back soon to keep slinging new genius recipes that I have spent even more time getting to know and love. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.